Take your Bible, please. Turn to Luke chapter 24. And when you get there, we'll stand and read uh, beginning in verse 13. It's one of the great chapters in the Bible. And I'm just going to read... Uh, we're just going to get into one little section of it. If you're familiar with it, it begins with Mary Magdalene and uh, some of the women coming down to the, we always read it at Easter, coming down to the tomb. The angels were there, and they said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? And... Uh, So down at the end of the day, verse 13, um, uh, Behold, two of them, that is, two of the apostles, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. That's six miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have done have one to another as you walk and are sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before, the, before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of the company, of our company, made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. They found not his body, and they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the uh, women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, 
he expounded unto them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. He made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us, by, uh, talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they arose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told, told what things were done in the way, and how he was known unto them in breaking of bread. Let's bow to prayer. Father, I ask you to help us, Lord, to just Exalt the name of Jesus in our midst this morning. And Lord, would you help us to get it off the page of the book and out of our ears and into our heart that he is risen indeed. Amen. Lord, that we have a Savior, Amen. that he's paid the price for our sins. Lord, I pray you'd just help that this scripture would speak to us today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the great price that he's paid for us. And Lord, thank you that we can call on you as our Father, knowing that he intercedes with you for us. I pray about that one that may be here who does not know you as their Savior. I pray you'd help, Lord, and give uh, understanding and, and open their hearts and minds to you. Please have your way. Direct every word and may the Holy Spirit take complete control of this service. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray and he alone is worthy. Amen. You can be seated. You come to this passage, it's just after the, after the uh, crucifixion chapter. There's at least four sections to the chapter. These first verses, uh, there's some women with troubled hearts that come, perplexed hearts, coming to the tomb. They don't know what's happened. They're coming to anoint the body, but the body's not there. And then we come to this two on the road to Emmaus with such discouraged hearts. And he gives them himself on that road. I call it the road to revival. 
You go further, he's going to speak in verse 36 and following to that room full of disciples. And he's got, they've got troubled hearts. He's going to open their minds, give them the scriptures. There's some consolation and, and there's a great uh, peace found in the Word of God as it deals with the, this matter of Christ. And then finally, down in verse 46, he's going to, after he's opened their minds to the Scriptures and given them discernment of Scriptures, he's going to open their lips to be witnesses, to turn the world upside down, to tell this story over and over again. Every one of us is in one of those groups this morning. Every one of us stands somewhere along that way. Some have no understanding. Some have a little understanding but troubled in heart. Some have been instructed and may not have moved yet, but the instruction is there. And finally, some of us with full instruction are commanded to be the witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in His power. I'm not going to preach on all that. But that's just the introduction to this chapter. I want to just... I normally would preach this at the beginning of a revival or preparation for revival. I was, as I was thinking, of, I got up this morning with a burden on my heart about what I was preaching. And as I thought about it, I thought, what do we need, Lord? I would say we need revival. Now, revival, when I say that, you, somebody's mind already goes somewhere. What does it mean to have revival? Well, we bring in a special speaker and he'll, he'll bring the fire down and we can have revival. Or we bring in the singers and have special, uh, some special songs sung and uh, that's what we call revival. I've, for years, I have been surrendered to go ahead, brother. Get, get what you need. All right. We've got to take care of these guys. We bring them in here, we've got to take care of them. And I hope it's nothing too serious. Uh, for years, for Susie and I are coming up on 18 years in this thing of evangelism, I surrendered to evangelism with the idea of being a revivalist, going place to place, preaching, Seeing God work, souls get saved, and I call that revival. Early into that ministry, God showed me that wasn't the ministry. I'm a church encourager. I go place to place, find discouraged hearts, and try to preach exhortation and encouragement 
to those who will be the soul winners in a community. Put them back, get them shaped up and stirred up and put them back out there where, where the trouble is and where the souls are. And I leave and most of the time we never know the results of what happened. Once in a while we get a special blessing. I had a little seven-year-old boy this week that really blessed my heart. And I believe he gave me a fresh glimpse, little black boy. He gave me a fresh glimpse of the revival. I think he turned his family upside down with the revival. We've already got a letter from Mama. She had revival for sure because he had revival. You never know how it's going. Here's, here, I, I, I've, I've went back and forth and up down the roads looking for revival. Somebody says, somebody said it this morning. America is too far gone to have revival. You've heard that stuff, haven't you? You've been hearing the murmuring and the rumblings. I want to say, revival is only for God's people. Only for the saved. And revival, as I see it in the, in the Bible, comes at the darkest hours. I mean, Jonah went to Nineveh when Nineveh was the most wicked city in the world. And he rebelled against it. Everybody rebelled except that fish. And he was, he was prepared by God to deliver the preacher for the meeting. And even as fish gets sick of a backslid Baptist and pitched him out on the beach, remember? And strange thing happened. The most wicked city in the world had revival. All the way from the throne room to the stable, they had revival when, when God showed up. And that's the real key. Our country may never have revival, but we can have revival. Our church may never have revival, but we can have revival. See, revival... Uh, some of you have had revival, probably didn't. Did you read that? Did you hear that verse? Didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us, by the way? Have you ever had one of those moments? I'm well, sure you have if you've been saved very long. If you seek him, if you read your scriptures, sooner or later something's going to burn on your heart. That's a little touch of revival. Nobody may know about it but you. But though nobody has revival, you and I can have revival in our heart. And that's really where I think he brought these boys to. They were, they were six miles from Jerusalem before they got a hold of it, but they had been with Jesus. The greatest moment in your life as a Christian is that moment when you know you've been with Him.
Nobody else may know it. There may not be any outward display. I don't see any big miracle that he pulled here. All he did was broke and blessed the bread. And their hearts were open to, to him. It's amazing. Susie and I were going down the road a couple of years ago. I was studying. She was driving. That's scriptural, you know. Paul said over in Acts 27, when all hope had failed, we cast out all the tacklings and we let her drive. That's in Acts 27. Y'all can look it up for yourself. She was driving. I was looking at my book, preparing to preach. And suddenly, I just knew the Lord was there. It wasn't any, wasn't any big deal. No, there was no music playing. There was no, it was not. It was not unusual. We do that a lot, going up and down the roads. I, I study. She drives, or, or, you know, that's how we go up and down the road. But that day, I knew the Lord was on the scene. And it was different. It was just that stillness and that moment that my heart began to burn. It wasn't heartburn. It was Christ working in me. I took a little old pad and started jotting down stuff I've been sitting there studying a blank, had a blank page. I, I began to write things down, and I preached all week on what he gave me that, in that 10-minute period. God can do it to you. I call this the road to revival. Every one of, there's two things that he says. It's down in the latter part of this passage, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us two, two ways, two paths of revival? He talked to us by the way. He put in an appearance, the, the appearance of his person. Secondly, he opened to us the scriptures. I mean, this word of God is the key. And I can't emphasize enough, enough to you. You do not have to have a DDT or an LTD on the back end of your name to understand the Scripture. What you've got to do is open the Scripture, read the Scripture, and open your heart to the Scripture. You may, you may understand something that the Dr. Bottle Stopper can't understand. God may show you something. Hey, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I want to look at this road to revival with you and go down through these scriptures. First of all, Susie and these ladies have been dreaming up a Roman road down this hall. And one thing Susie says Every time we pass by the 
construction zone over there. She said, man, I'd like to have some of those signs where it says construction do not enter. And, and uh, I don't remember all the other signs, but, but she, she lusts over those signs every time we walk by the schoolhouse for this Roman road they're building down this hall for the ladies' meeting. And uh, can you imagine? See, here comes two... Look at these verses, 13. They went, out from Emmaus, they went out from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. They talked together of those things which had happened. And Jesus himself drew near, but, but they had a roadblock to revival. They could not have revival because their eyes were holding that they could not know Him. Some of you have been saved a long time, and you don't hardly know what I'm talking about because you have never spent time in the book with Him. You've never spent time on your knees with Him. Hey, the greatest moment of your Christian life is that time when He shows up with you. You ought to start every day with a prayer and, a, and the Bible. Get something from Him to take you through the day. Then, during the day, as you meditate on those scriptures, who knows when He's going to show up? I'd been studying those scriptures I was talking about a while ago for weeks. But that day He showed up. When He shows up, He showed up and they don't even know He's there. I wonder how many times we got to rock and roll or the country music on and we don't even know he's around. We're satisfying our, our flesh. We've got our mind on fleshly things. We're all about our, our little world and the God of glory stands by. I had a lady down in Alvin used to sing that song. It said, Earthly relationships had used me till I was done in. And all the time Jesus was waiting to save me from sin. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. There's not a moment of any day in any one of our lives that he's not available to us. But we've got the roadblocks up. We can't meet with him because we've got our stuff, our life, our cares, our troubles, our heartaches, our ambitions, our jobs. See, they're in their expectations had incapacitated them. And verse 21 says, But we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today's the third day since these things. They said, We thought He was coming to set up a kingdom. 
We had, the prophets said the Messiah was going to come, and we had already figured it out. He's going he's to set us free from the Romans. And you guys work with Romans? They can deal you misery and keep you from loving the Lord. They can distract you from what's really important in your life. We all work with Romans. We live with Romans. It's a Roman world that we live in. These Jews had the idea that the king would magically take them out from under the Romans. So they were expecting some things, and all of a sudden, the king of the Jews is hanging on the cross and carried to the tomb. What they didn't understand, Jesus explains to them down in verse 26, ought not Christ. Christ is the Messiah of the Jews. And to really understand this statement, you'd have to be a Jew, you'd have to have a Jewish education on the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to rule the whole world. The Messiah is going to come and we'll all be in his kingdom. Isn't that the way it goes? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? See, they... They missed the necessity of suffering. There's a whole generation of Christians around us that have missed the generation of suffering. I mean, we're saved. We're as saved as we'll ever be saved. But we're not living in glory. Jesus said, if they have persecuted me and I am the master, how much more will they persecute you? And we got troubles everywhere we turn, living for the Lord. But Peter said, if we suffer these things, then when he comes into his glory, we'll share the glory of his kingdom. Ought not Christ to, hey, ought not Christ to have went to the cross? Ought not Christ to have shed precious blood. Ought not Christ to have paid my sacrifice? If you get in honest with God, he had to do that. If he did not do that, I don't have a Savior, or you don't either. He became sin for us who knew no sin. They missed the, they missed the suffering because of the glory. They were looking for kingdom glory when it was time to serve and suffer. Secondly, they fell under the devil's ploy. Look at verse 16. Their eyes were holding. That didn't say they held their eyes. That didn't say they closed their eyes, but their eyes were closed over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verse 4, verse 3 said, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. 4. In whom? In who? In the lost. In whom? The, in the lost, who the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. Why aren't you saved? You know Jesus went to the cross. I can tell you why. Because you're still focused on your pleasures, your joy, your, your glory. That's why. You do not want to become the, the sin that he said you are in order to be saved. You won't face up to who you really are. Yeah. Outside of him, we're nothing. Amen. Outside of him, we have no, no future. I mean, the next step, it's appointed unto men once to die. After death, the judgment. And that's all you're facing without Christ. That's the whole story. You'll hear, hear him say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you and you'll be cast into a eternal hell. No hope. You're if you're there, the devil tries to keep you blinded. I mean, it's all about the cowboys. It's all about new cars or houses or dresses or ties or suits or cowboy boots or something. And that's all that life is. And when you get down to the bottom of them, work your fingers to the bone, what do you wind up with? Bony fingers. Habakkuk said you'll put your, your money in a bag with holes in it. And one day... Satan will wad you up like a used paper sack and throw you away. And the world won't care. We're blinded to all that. We're blinded until we begin to pay that price. Pay that price. Pay that price. Sin, Hebrews chapter 10 says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And it seems like everything's just fun, fun, fun. All of a sudden, the old preacher said that the devil will take you further than you wanted to go, and it'll cost you more than you wanted to pay, and he'll keep you much longer than you wanted to stay. When you come under his authority, don't be blinded. Jesus Jesus is available. You know, in this book of Luke, Luke 19.10, the, the key verse of the book of Luke, the Son of Man has come but for to seek and to save that which is lost. His whole business in coming down from the glory with love's most precious story, he came. And he said, I love you. While you were yet sinners, I love you. 
That's his, he came to love us, to save us, to seek and to save that which is lost. Those disciples came over there to the well of Sychar, remember? And he's talking to the woman, and they went to town to get hamburgers. And they say, Master, eat. And he said, I've got meat to eat. You know not of. Can't you see, old Peter? I wonder who's been bringing him food while we've been gone. Somebody else. I wanted to give him a sandwich and Somebody else beat me to the point. He said, my meat is to do the will of my Father, the one that sent me, do the work of him that sent me. That's my meat. I'm here to do business for the Lord. I'm here to do business for souls. We're blinded to, you know, some. Uh, sometimes the church gets to be a, uh, just a fellowship hall. Our, a fellowship hall is wonderful if it includes fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we get to be a, a bunch of good old boys that just gather up to brag on each other and have a good time together, we've lost our purpose. We've been blinded to his purpose. See, they were blind to this verse over here in Mark. In Mark, Mark 16, 13. They went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. That's these two boys from Emmaus. They went and told it. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Don't get so engrossed in our sales that we forget that we belong to him and his purpose is his purpose is his purpose not our purpose you got it if I fellowship with him I'll have to meet him on his ground there's a word in the New Testament reconciliation reconciliation means when you put it get everything on a level where you can fellowship together God never comes off of His holiness down to our level. Never. But in the New Testament, He said that He has reconciled every one of us to Himself. Somebody said before we'll ever have revival, we must have a revival of holiness. We've got to come back to a place of our dedication to Him, His purpose in our in our life. So they, they had the ro- their, their eyes were closed. Their ears were insufficient. Look at verse 22 of our text. 
22. They said, we had, there were certain women of our company uh, that made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. You can go back to the first part of the chapter and read that. But, but we did, uh, they said, and they, they found not his body, and they said, they told us the story. Had the testimony of the women in verse 22, verse 23. That, and they said that they had also seen a vision of angels which said he was, they had the word of heaven. They had the word of the angels. And then verse 24, and certain of them were with us which went to the sepulcher and as the women had said, but they saw him not. Now, I don't have time to go there, but you can go over to John chapter 20 and begin with about verse 3 or so, and Peter and John going to run a foot race down to the tomb. You know that story, don't you? And, and uh, young, my young abilities always beat age and deception every time. Right, Bob? I mean, there was a day when we had feet and legs and could do stuff. Now we, well, we, oh, oh, huh? And so John outrun Peter to the tomb, and, and the verse, he said he looked in, and he saw that he was not there. The word he used is, is to take a glance. Then Peter comes, and the verse says, you know, oh, foot in the mouth, Peter, Nothing buffaloes him. He didn't look in. He went in. And may, the word is, he inspected the place. Had he not done that, we would not know that the clothes were folded and the napkin was laid in its place. God's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. And everything was in place. At, at, that bunch that looked for a hundred years for the robe of Turin and finally found a robe and people from all over the world would go there and worship the robe. Hey, the robe had no power. He folded it up and laid it aside. He didn't even wear it out the door. Peter told us that. He inspected the place. And there's an interesting verse. I'm not going to John 20, but there's an interesting verse. And John said, when I saw these things, then I believed. He'd already took a look, but he didn't get any information. When he came back with Peter's inspection, then, hey, you say, I know these verses. What? This is not a, why are we preaching on an Easter verse? Because God put it on my heart, that's why. And it might ta help us to take another look. There might be something there that we could believe in our heart, you know. So, they had the word not only of the women, they had the word not only of the angels, they had the word of Peter and John. 
But they didn't believe them. I mean, they they went away from there. Oh, I think it was Little Abner's that cartoon had that little guy with a cloud over his head. He was always grieving. Everything was always wrong. And no matter where he went, that rain was raining on him. You ever know anybody like that? I've known a few. It's a great day when we can live in the sunshine a little bit once in a while. You know it? It's a good day when you can smile and have a have a little bit of fun out of out of a hard day. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? If anybody in this world could, should be able to do that, it ought to be Christians, hadn't it? But they're walking down there. Oh, man, I didn't think it's going to be like this. I thought he was the one. I thought he was really here to do it. He was going to set up the king. Didn't you think that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And Jesus, when he showed up, he said, what are you so troubled about? That's the way we are, isn't it? It's easy to get troubled. So there, and then here's the real problem, 25. Their eyes were blinded. Their ears were deaf. I'm going to get a new hearing aid tomorrow. Maybe I'll be able to hear something when I get back. I, don't, I doubt it. Uh, but look at verse 25. Oh, he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. It was not just that they missed the message of the women, not just that they had missed the message of the angels, not just that they had missed the message of Peter and John, their fellow disciples, but they, they had missed the Word of God. Their heart was dull to the Word of God. They couldn't, they'd heard the Scripture, but they did not understand the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures. John 5, 39, For they are they which testify of me. In them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. Search the Scriptures, church. Search the Scriptures, Christian. Search the Scriptures, you want to find him? Search the scriptures. Their heart was dull to the Word of God. There's some of you sitting right here. Your heart's just dull to the Word of God. You don't want to hear the Word of God. If I was telling jokes or putting on a little act, y'all would be there. But you're not interested in the things of God. Yeah. So your heart is empty of God a bad place to be. What you need to do is tune yourself to God. Tune yourself to what He says, and that'll only happen as you give yourself to the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I can see we're not going to give... Somebody asked me this morning if I had a three-hour message that I could preach this morning and get everybody get caught up for last week. I do have. I, it, it was uh, supposed to be a one-hour message, but I'm just in... 
I'm in point number two. See, they had, they had a roadblock to this revival because they couldn't get to him. The roadblocks, their ears, their eyes, their heart, they kept them from, from focusing on the Lord. And if you, if you can't get there, you can't have revival. You understand it? Revival is when me and Jesus can have a time together. It doesn't matter who's singing. doesn't matter who's preaching. may not be a preacher, may not be a singer, but revival is when me and him can have a moment. And every one of us have got to have those times. So, there's a response to instruction. I don't even believe I'm going to start on it. I'll preach that tonight. I think I just need right now say, are you on the road to revival with Jesus? Or be honest in your heart. Are you, have you got the roadblocks up? Can you, can you hear him when he speaks to you? Do you look for the truths that will pick you up and carry you over the troubles? Can you see that? How's about your heart? Have you ever just given him everything in your heart? There's a lady up in Oklahoma used to sing, There's a Room in My Heart. That, he, that I would not let him in. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll come be a Sunday school person. I'll come be a Sunday Christian. But Monday, Tuesday through Friday or Saturday, I've got a room in my heart that I can't give you, Lord. I'm, I'm going to reserve that for myself. If your heart's dull... You'll never hear him. If your heart's dull, you'll never meet with him. He said they, they, their heart was not. Their heart was slow. They couldn't pick up on what he was giving them. Can you pick up on it? Jesus wants to be a part of your life. He saved you so he could come and walk the road to revival with you. How would you like to be on that road to Emmaus? It excites me every time I read the passage. But you know what? To get on the road to Emmaus, I've got to tune my vision to him. To get on the road to Emmaus, I've got to turn my ears to him. And then I've got to give him my heart. All of that had to be in place before they ever realized they'd even been with him. So how are you fixed up? Are you living your life without him or with him? Are you looking for him, listening for him? Are you tuned in to him? Is your heart seeking him?
No. Brother Wayne, I went back to school this week and we're playing football now. And it's over. I'm through with, I'm through fooling around. I'm really concentrating. I remember those days. I was there. I went through two or three years of pursuing that college uh, scholarship as a football player. When I got there, it was an empty bag. What are you pursuing? Christian, what are you pursuing? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? Where's your heart? He said, that's the reason you missed me. What's your expectations of being a Christian? We thought it was going to be. Huh? What did you think it was going to be? The greatest single moment of your life is the day that you join up with him and know there's, and know that he's your man. That law of the bond slave over in Exodus 25 or so, he said that Jew's bond slave could not be, he could sell himself for seven years, but he could not be a, a lifelong slave unless he had a master and a wife and some children or something that's drawing him and he said he can come up to his master and say, I love my master, and I do not want to go free. He said that day they'll back him up against the post and put an awl through his ear, make a mark. And from that day, everybody will know that he belongs to the master. But he's got to say, I Love my master. You know what was missing on the road to Emmaus? It was all regrets. And all what I thought it was going to be. What I, this is not what I thought it was going to be. You know what's missing in your life right now? Is a whole heart turn over to the Lord. Give him your, give him your attention. And giving him your heart. And letting him become in you, with you, and through you all, well, more than you can ever expect him to be. Psalm 85, 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in Stand, heads are bowed. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're not even saved. He'd save you if you'd let him. He he come to save you. He died to save you. I'll get to that in the next message. He's here to save you this morning. There's folks right here that can say, I'm saved because he was there when I needed him. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in life. 
He's waiting on you. Don't be blinded. Don't let the devil blind you. Don't let that world take your, take your heart away from him. But turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let him have your way with you right now. Father, I just ask you to take charge. Lord, there's folks here that need you that have been blinded to you, that have some dream of something that is not your dream. And Lord, I pray you'd help them to get past the devil and get to Jesus this morning. I pray they'd help you'd help them to get past themselves and come to Jesus this morning. Please have your way with us. And please direct this invitation as you see fit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Page 534. God speaking to you. You come. open the door and if you'd let him he'll tell you the rest of the story it's an exciting passage it's a wonderful thing to know that we have access to him we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy in every hour of need isn't that something? 
as we seek him. All right. Brother Mark, we need to have a meeting today with the men. Huh? We can do it before church or after church tonight, which are ways best. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, trustees. We need to talk with the trustees. So, so uh, I don't think it'll take very long, but we've got to have the meeting. So, you tell us when. Okay, right after church. Okay. All right, brother. Okay, some of the trustees, some of the fish priors are trustees, so I don't know how that's going to work, but we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. Don't worry about it. And if you miss the fish fry, that's just more for us, right? Let's be dismissed with our chorus. We'll sing Blessed Assurance. Blessed Assurance.